It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Next is now. Let's look at what's coming up next. Uh, We've been talking with Michael Bolden, who's the founder and executive director of the 10th Amendment Center. We've been obviously looking, as we often do on this program, about what is going on in Washington, what's going right, what's going wrong, what could be done better. And, of course, the critical need for us to get back to federalism, this idea of doing things at the state and local level as opposed to the big centralized power that continues to expand and uh, Michael agreed to stay with the question a little longer with us today. We appreciate that. And Michael, you you brought out a really great point in the in the first segment, and that is this idea that uh, the federal government continues to expand, its powers continue to grow, and the ex- this expense of it all continues to expand, regardless of whether the Congress or the White House is controlled by the Democrats or the Republicans. Uh, neither side has a leg to stand on when it comes to controlling the size, scope, and uh, influence of the federal government. Yeah, and in fact, the founders warned us that this is how things were going to play out. If we look to Washington, D.C. to solve problems created by Washington, D.C., we shouldn't be surprised that that power continues to grow and grow and grow. And that's why I was very happy to see this year the governor of Utah signing into law House Bill 415, which now requires the Constitutional Defense Council. Utah, I think, is the only state that has such a council. Maybe they're not doing all their work yet, but they're now required to review any presidential executive order if it has not been affirmed by a vote of of Congress and signed into law if it relates to things like the right to keep and bear arms, the regulation of natural resources, a pandemic or other public health emergency? And should the Constitutional Defense Council refer it to the attorney general and they determine that their view, their opinion is that it's unconstitutional, the state of Utah will no longer use any state or local resources to help the federal government effectuate that executive order. This is a small but very positive step towards federalism that we're seeing play out right before our very eyes. I think they only meet once a month or so, and the last one was sometime in June. So hopefully we'll start seeing this actually be used in a positive way. Yeah. And I hope it's one other way that Utah can be uh, just a great example of that laboratory of democracy and doing things locally. We did see a little bit of encouraging news today. We actually had uh, an interesting uh, triumvirate of uh, senators today. We had uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, and Utah Senator Mike Lee got together uh, and introduced a bill that would actually take back and limit the president's war powers. And, uh, and again, a very rare thing in Washington that Congress would actually say, wait a minute, uh, under the Constitution, uh, things like declaring war and declaring emergencies and selling weapons to foreign countries uh, is something that needs to be debated and voted on by House and senators uh, and then given to the president uh, as opposed to presidents of either side just having that power and uh, using it uh, as they choose. 
Mike Lee is one of those few people who I think will oftentimes stand on principle and be willing to cross the aisle. Like, I'm not one that's really interested in hanging out with people like Bernie. But, I mean, sometimes if you're going to take that kind of a job and be a U.S. senator, you're going to have to find ways to find common ground when it comes to restricting the government under the Constitution, because very few people in Congress actually want to do that. So I wasn't aware of that. That's really good to hear. Yeah, great, uh, great move, and uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out uh, in the days and weeks ahead. And an, an important one is, especially as it relates to the war powers. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center uh, joining us, talking about federalism, talking about what we can do without just shrugging our shoulders and saying, "Well, you know, Washington and Congress and the White House are never going to get it right," uh, and just kind of having this uh, shrug of shoulders. Uh, Michael, one of the things that you talk about is the power. Uh, and the leverage of talking to a, a local city council person as mm-hmm. opposed to calling the White House or even calling a, a member of Congress. Yeah, so if you think about those bankster bailouts some years ago when President Bush was still in office, uh, I think the calls, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people calling. It was like 95 to 1 on the number of calls that said against this. And yet, they passed it anyways. But I've often heard when I work with it, even on the state level, uh, a committee member may say or their their staff will tell you if this person gets 10 or 12 calls in support of a bill, they're going to start paying attention. And the number is very likely even smaller in a smaller town like Lehigh or St. George or something like that. And I think that's why we're seeing some good things happening in Utah. Another example is a civil asset forfeiture from um, state senator, uh, I think it's it's Weiler. Weiler. Is that you, yeah. you familiar? That's yeah, correct. yeah. He introduced a bill, Senate Bill 98, that actually reaffirmed what the voters of Utah passed in Initiative B to restrict the ability of the government to take property without convicting someone of a crime first. So this bill also not only cleaned that up, but opted the state out of participating in a federal federal asset forfeiture program called equitable sharing. They're basically using James Madison's advice, refusal to cooperate with officers of the union. You may have this program on the books, but Utah is no longer going to participate in this because we respect property rights. And that's another great step forward. Another thing that we can do using federalism to protect the Constitution and liberty when the federal government refuses to do so. Final question for you, Michael. I want to get to this uh, using federalism, using this decentralization decentralization of power uh, as a way to also get rid of some of the divisiveness in our conversation yeah. about public policy and, and what we do in our communities. How do you see that playing out? Well, I see it playing out just like George Washington saw it playing out. Most of what I talk about, it's not really original ideas. I'm just taking the ideas of the founders and old revolutionaries. And Washington, in his famous farewell address of 1796, which was co-authored by Madison and Hamilton and him, he warned us. He said, look, if you take a party over principal approach, you're going to end up with what we have today. He said the alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by a spirit of revenge, is a frightful despotism, and it leads to a formal and permanent despotism because people are looking to the central or general government to solve all their problems. But the founders knew that a country with a wide range of political, economic, social, and religious viewpoints, the only way you can live in peace 
is to decentralize, use federalism. The people of Utah are going to have a different approach on important issues than we do here in California. I'm going to say in most situations, it's probably a better one, but vice versa. And that's the way it works. You don't try to force a one size fits all solution on everyone because that's how we ended up where we are today. Uh, Great insight, as always, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. We appreciate you carving out uh, some extra time for us today. We appreciate you staying with the question. We appreciate your efforts on uh, making federalism sexy again because it is the answer to so many of the problems we face in the country today. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Boyd, I'm so glad you're talking about these really essential issues. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Well, I'll be back again real soon. Michael Bolden from the uh, 10th Amendment Center. Uh, Great insight and great historic perspective in terms of why federalism is important. And and sometimes we get lost in the word federalism, thinking that that means more federal government, but it's the exact opposite. It is that small federal footprint and, and more expansive influence from the states and the local Uh, communities that really matters. And that is what the founders had in mind. And uh, I am serious when I say as part of our summer reading program, uh, you should read uh, Federalist 46 and uh, get into some of those things that Madison said we should be doing that all of us can do. Uh, Michael pointed out that it is far more effective for you to call your local city council member than it is for you to call the White House. Why? Because if Five or ten people call that local city council person and raise an issue. Uh, That carries a lot of weight. Five or ten people calling the White House doesn't even register. Uh, And so getting this focus back and, and also getting this focus where we recognize that we cannot look to Washington to waltz in and solve the problems. Uh, Remember, it's not that it's about just shrinking the size of big government. Uh, It's actually about making bigger people, more heroic communities is what we're really after. And federalism is how we do that. And so our willingness to step into that, to to not shrug our shoulders and say, well, hopefully, hopefully the federal government will take care of that. No, we have to get that to the state. We have to get to the local community and we have to get it to ourselves. That's the best future. And that's actually what gives me confidence in our future as a country. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, church without churches. Is it possible? Find out coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.